Hello and welcome back to Reading in the Piers, where we chat about and discuss all sorts of movies. My name is Gary O'Brien, and joining me today to discuss the 1957 Oscar-winning war film, The Bridge on the River Kwai, it's the one and only Keanu Driscoll, so stick around, we hope you enjoy. Hello, Keen, you're back and you're with a movie that nobody knows. Woo! Uh, it, no, it, it was a good movie and lots of it people was a good know movie, it. Uh, yes. I was thinking that you could introduce it by the fact that uh, we're going to try and hopefully do a series of classics. Yeah. That's the goal. So, That's the goal. So anyone who listened to Keen's last podcast, we discovered that he's actually 97 years old. So his love, so his like sweet spot of movies is like anything where they had just invented color film. Like that's that's kind of where we get keen on it. Like a, those are movies he knows well. In an in and around, well, no, if anyone had used to watch a serious amount of like TCM movies and movies for yeah. men, except before eleven o'clock, because that's when all the, the, the he oh shouldn't have gone into that direction actually. Um, yeah, no, this no, straight away. Yeah. Um, Lots of the older school movies, yeah, like westerns yeah. and uh, old crime movies and war movies, yeah, from the 70s, 80s, 60s, yeah, loved them. Yeah, so we just thought we'd lean into it, just fucking, I have to stop cursing. <laughs> we Do not stop lean... cursing, keep cursing. <laughs> we thought Bring the energy. <laughs> we thought we'd lean into it and then just brand all of Keane's episodes as classics with Keane. And then that way he doesn't feel guilty uh, for picking a movie that was once, I don't know, like, I don't know, has like whoever the Queen's dad was in it. <laughs> and I don't feel so bad in that, you know, I'm like, oh, no one's going to listen to this. I'm, I'm like, it's classics with, classics with Keane. Who doesn't listen to classics with Keane? It's got a whole segment name. Of course people are going to listen to it. Yeah, but all the, I think all the, uh, I can't remember the name of the director of this, but it, it, this this movie got a lot of awards. And I think the uh, the director or the, yeah, was it the director uh, was well-renowned. It was, uh, yeah. No, 100%. Like, this is the director. So David Lean is the director, and he directed Lawrence of Arabia. So yeah. And it's another podcast I wanted, but who, who got there before me, uh, if not only uh, everyone's favourite. <laughs> this, this, this grudge with David needs to stop. I know, I know. I can't, I, fi- I, fi- I can't be having this on air. I know, I'm sorry. I love him. Really. Um, yeah, but like, so this 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 movie, yes, as much as I joke in a kid, I think it is an old movie and I think it has been vaguely forgotten through time. However, like you had mentioned, there are many accolades to it that I think it has won eight Oscars, if I recall, including Best Movie, Best Director, Best Actor, uh, Best Cinematography, Best Editing, Best Score. The list goes on. Best so, Score, yes. really? I think it won best score. Let me double check that before it's I lie to whistling. <laughs> it is. It's good whistling though, Keen. I have so much to talk about the whistling. I found out a fantastic fact about the whistle. And like, if, if anyone needs an excuse to stick around, just wait until I tell you what I found out about this whistle. It's great. <laughs> How interesting can a whistle be? Ah, <laughs> oh, Keen, trust me. Trust me. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this whole episode is going to build up to the whistle bit and it's going to be maybe worth it. Uh, it won Oscars. <laughs> it won seven Oscars. I do apologize. Seven. Uh, and uh, like I'd kind of mentioned for best best picture, best director, best actor, best screenplay, best... So- no, score. Yeah, best score. I knew it was right. Uh, best cinematography, best editing. Yeah, I got it right. How dare you? I've done prep for this. Um, well, but you yes, I guess first. I am on Letterbox Keen, and everyone knows that's the, one of the most important things anyone about me that anyone needs to know. And you can follow me 
at Gary O'Brien Letterboxd. And that is a way, that's spelt in a way that I, I can't even comprehend why I did it. So you're just going to have to check the episode description to find out. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yes, we shall start talking about this movie, The Bridge on the River Quay, which like I kind of mentioned. Quay? 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 Are we going with Quay? We're going to go with Quay. Both, both of us looked at each other and we were like, we realised we didn't know how to pronounce this. So this could all be wrong. But again, just think to yourself, wait until I talk about that whistle bit. Every, you're going to forget about it all. You're going to forget about it all when the whistle bit comes. Uh, but yes, Keen, if you'd like to give any context to what this movie is about, please do. Okay, so... Synopsis, short. Synopsis. The last time I watched this movie, just to make excuses for how bad this might go, I watched it quite a while ago, and I told Gary yesterday I would watch a recap, which I did not. So I watched The Mandalorian instead. So I'm a little bit behind on my prep work. Uh, But as far as I can tell, it's about, uh, I think it's the British forces during World War Two. Yep. Uh, being captured in uh, Japan. In Kwai. In Kwai. Yeah, Kwai. Um, yeah, so it's about a, a British troop uh, being captured there and being sent to a prison camp where they have to try and... Well, they're basically doing work. They're put to work for uh, to build a cert- like a bridge over a certain river called the Kwai or the Quay or the Kwai. Uh, we're not sure which exactly. Um, I, for an important trade route or delivery route or whatever it is. And it's all about the... It's about two people in particular, I think. Or three three people in particular. Um, the British officer in charge of the group, who is very honour-bound and, you know, very British. Let's just say it that way. Yeah. And then an American uh, prisoner who's already there in the camp when this British uh, troop arrive, um, and his uh, and his yeah basically his storyline and how he interacts with the the British troop and what his motives are, and then the I suppose the antagonist of the film is the uh, Colonel Sato. Yeah, or Sato or Saito. Uh, Quay or Kwai, we'll never know. We'll never know. And basically his involvement in running the camp and trying to drive the British soldiers into building this bridge uh, under his authority. Um, yeah, and that's basically, it's a pretty simplistic plot, really. It, it is. And it's so funny that you were like, oh, I'll try and remember, <laughs> I'll try to remember what it's about. That's what it's about. And it, like, it, it is, it's, it's a, as you had mentioned to me, it is a slow burn of a movie my god i wasn't expecting this slow burn of a movie it's about two hours and 40 minutes long and i think after the first hour i text you being like they haven't even fucked there's there's not even signs of a bridge yet king uh, like this <laughs> I, this I, is what i, I love about love old movies burn. because there's so much detail and this is why i i am your antithesis when it comes to movie length uh, my antithesis? I thought you were like, wait, are you my mom's brother or my dad's brother? I didn't know you were my auntie. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> an hour and a half of a movie is fine if you want a rom-com. Or yeah. you want... But if you want an outstanding film, what draws you into an outstanding film? It's get into it. Like, lose yourself in it. And that's why I love these movies, because that's what builds up the story. All the little details, all the little character interactions, because especially with this one between the British uh, 
Commander Nicholson and General yeah. Saito, they're Saito or whatever it is, they're class, but they take time to develop that like weird relationship that they have, and that's why I think it's worth spending two hours and forty minutes watching this slow movie with a simplistic plot. Yeah, that managed to win seven Oscars. Do you know it's a slow movie, but the attention to detail uh, yeah. it's worth no, it. No, hundred percent. And and you'd asked me before this, did I like it? And I feel like that that's the way these classics with Keynes always go in that I'm like, look, I i definitely found parts of it I enjoyed. Uh, no, but I think this is a perfect one because I was talking to my mom about it as well. And she was kind of like, it's the it's a movie she'd come in if she was like came into the living room and it was on. No matter what point of the movie, she'd sit down and start watching it just because it has that. Um, there's a great feel to it throughout. There's a very warm feel mm. Trout, which is funny when it's you consider it's a war film, but it's not really a war film. It's more like one yeah. war, a kind of a side of war that you don't really yeah. kind of maybe think about or you don't uh, consider. Which is that, like, look, the, these British, like you said, this British troop was captured and at the you know um, under the control of this Japanese department or uh, what what were like um, I don't know a group, prison camp, uh, or... prison, prison camp, yeah, a labor camp, and it's basically just Alec Guinness who's in this. By the way, he plays Colonel. Uh, Nicholson, Nicholson. Uh, yeah. he's the kind of head of this British uh, group and he's just like look if we're coming here we're going to do we're going to do everything we need to do as prisoners you know we're not going to do anything more we're not going to do anything less but like look prison be the same way he's so like you say he's so British he'd be like look if we had prisoners we'd want them to do this as well so we're going damn well we're going to use our British innovation, innovation and hard work and true grit and build this bloody bridge let's go so it's a lot of that um, which just is very hard to watch because I'm just like you're a moron but also it, 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 it yeah. is it, but look like you say he's honor bound and and that's what causes a lot of trouble between him and the Colonel Sato is that like uh, Alec Guinness's character is kind of like look according to the Gen- Geneva Convention the officers aren't aren't supposed to work that's what happens and then Colonel Sato's like look this bridge has got to get built I don't give a shit you're going to build the bridge and he goes well we're just gonna what you call it. We're gonna no. No one's gonna have to work then, and it, it causes all the workers to not strike. Anyway, what I'm more so trying to get to at this point is, it's this weird interaction of kind of all of these players knowing they're in a grander scheme of war, but they're just like, look, how do we make our day to day survivable and possible? How do how do we make our lives mean something in uh, 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 as something as grandiose and something as widespread as a world war? Yes, like. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> sorry, no, it took me a little bit to uh, to, to recapture because I got distracted by a notification. I'm sorry, um, but I've closed it now. My full attention is on you. Um, no, I, I do agree, but the like maybe the focus... Because for me, I've watched a lot of uh, war movies also. They're one of my favourite uh, like types of movies or genres of movies. Um and like two of my favorite are maybe um uh Clint Eastwood uh like the the twin movies the the uh um twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger no no Danny DeVito sorry <laughs> no not that movie okay fair. no uh Clint Eastwood did a, a two movies um basically on the, the uh the opposite side of perspective with the Japanese and the Americans during World War Two. Flags of Our Fathers, and then the other one, Let- I can't remember the name. from uh, Hiroshima. Hiroshima. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I would, yeah, I would, I can't remember the name. Um, and they were, I love those movies because they give a perspective of both sides um, and the brutality of both sides, obviously. So I do have certain 
opinions about this movie in particular uh, being a war movie and how kind of romanticized it is because yeah. I think in this particular I remember my dad telling me when I watched this first because uh, I watched it with him uh, that you know this is very romanticized because the actual ca- casualties in like building this bridge were astronomical um, and the treatment of the prisoners was horrific yeah but we don't see any of that in this movie it's very it's very romanticized and I'm not sure, is that the time, is it the time that this movie was produced or, you know, is it very Americanized? I don't know if that's true either, I, but I think it's just, it's not the real focus of the movie. The focus of the movie is maybe more in that, what does it take to, to keep your integrity or yeah. keep your yeah. uh, honor uh, and the rewards or maybe the consequences of seeing that through, you know. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I, I think what's what's also important to mention about this movie is it's based on a novel, so it's not like a always going to be a true depiction of these events. It was like someone wrote a book about this and then they made that into a movie. That's true. Yeah. So, so yeah. like you know, I think there was always that element to it as well, and um, and yeah, I think I think. F- that sort of triumph and adversary element to it has that sort of good feel factor throughout. But yeah, maybe, and I think maybe because it's not a, that you don't focus on, let's say the war element of people killing each other. You can kind of forget about this. It's more of like a, nearly like a Saturday morning sort of old timey TV show, something like MASH or, or um, F Troop or yeah. what's the other one? Um, Hogan's Heroes as well. That's how that was the one I was thinking of. Yeah. But um, yeah, and I think, yeah, and I think, I, yeah, that was also a great point that like, we're also going to spoil the movie at some point. Like I said, there's really not that much to spoil. They build the About bridge now. and then something Let's happens just after. Now. Oh, we'll start spoiling it now. Okay, yeah. well, before we do, look, it's an absolutely fine movie. It's two hours and 40 hours, two hours and 40 hours long. Sorry, it's two <laughs> hours and 40 minutes long. It's, it's, it's worth it. Look, it's, it won Best Picture, and that's a reason to watch it. And also has fantastic performances by Alec Guinness, who won a Oscar for this. It has some fantastic cinematography. The production design, which I'll talk about a bit later, is incredible. They don't make movies like this anymore. And um, yeah, the ending, I think, really does sell it for me as well. So, the end, Yeah, especially the ending. Like We'll get to it later, but it's, like, it's incredibly complex for how the rest of the movie went. Yeah. Uh, you know, for how much ha- actually happened in the movie. Like... In one of these rare occasions, that you could say that this this plot could have been condensed to an hour and a half. Yeah, but 100%. I wouldn't do that. I mm, for wrong. the way it for the delivery of it. I yes, no, I, agree <laughs> I wouldn't you. do it. Uh, yeah. You know, I think it took that to deliver the ending that uh, that we got. You know, so uh, yeah, that's the podcast, I suppose. Uh, so I'll see, <laughs> see you next, no, next no, was there? We'll start spoiling it now. Uh, like I said, there's not too much to spoil, but just like that's going to be the hard point of which to turn back now. Um, do you want to talk about either the op- we have two options that I'm going to go down right now, which is the production design or the Alec Guinness's performance? Sorry, let's say Alec Guinness. Let's say the acting or the production design. I'll give you the choice. Production design. You see, you're talking to a complete when it comes to production design Anything. what do you mean uh no i just think like in terms location, of the location, set location? the extras the fact that they built the fucking bridge it was quarter of a million dollars in 1957 like the, the, the bridge was built before they had even cast anyone in it the scale of which and yeah i'm gonna spoil it now 
the bridge gets fucking blown to pieces. And again, there's more intricacies around that later on that we'll talk about. But that looked unbelievable. Like mm-hmm. nothing, they, nothing, like nowadays it would be either CGI mess or even let's say in the 90s and 80s, it would be like a miniature or something like that. And you could easily tell this, they fucking blew that bridge up and they had that two fucking, t- yeah, two bits and had that train go over it. And it yeah. looked incredible and layer that on to the sort of character moment that's attached to it that we will get back to later on also that whistle bit don't don't you don't worry i forgot about the whistle bit is <laughs> um is uh, madness it's madness it's unbelievable it's like these hollywood movies of like the 40s and the 50s and the 60s they just have more money than they know what to do it's like fuck it we'll build a bridge and we'll because they had no other options they didn't know but like i don't think miniatures were a big thing well they were but they weren't like maybe to this extent and then like cgi was an absolute no-go but it was more art back then oh unbelievable and that's why i like these classics because they put the the actual work in do you know what i mean and that's why i love it because yeah okay so let's get into the the production design then like no that's it that's all i want to say about production yeah (laughs) no everything like the setting is is phenomenal i mean like the opening couple of scenes you know straight away you get a sense of where the characters are where this troop have been captured it's a rainforest. It's incredibly humid. It's, uh, you know, okay, there's loads of life, but there's limited options of escape because where the hell do you go? Yeah. Uh, and this and is where, like, they have filmed the movie. You get a sense of it straight away. Um, yeah. It's it's incredible. They're in the middle of a, a, a humid rainforest um, and there's literally nowhere to go. And in fact, we see that with one of the characters, and uh, one of the, 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 the three, I, I don't know, maybe the three main characters, the American, uh, William... Oh, Holden? Uh, no, not Holden. Uh, no, that's the actor. No, that's name. The, the name of the actor is William Holden, and he but plays Commander car- Shears. Shears, sorry, Shears. Um, he, he, you know, not to jump too far ahead, but like this this guy does manage to try and like, actually escape at some point, and, you know, he... he he escapes, I think, with a five or six other people, but he's the only one that manages to survive. Yeah, and he's nearly half dead when he's found by a like a local community. So they set the set like the setting is really well done. You know, you do get this sense like nearly immediately that like okay, they're prisoners, but like they're free to chance leaving if they want, but they're not going to get anywhere um, because it's dense rainforest. So. Like, I can only imagine in terms of the, the production, in terms of getting all the equipment and building the bridge and all the filming and, you know, the logistics. Uh, yeah, and I, I know they, they, they ended up not building the set on the River Quay because I think it was Kwai Quay. Uh, they had, uh, what you call it, I think the river had, like, was barely nothing when they got there. So they ended up just shooting in this sort of remote area that they had to, like, build cabins for all the crew because there was nothing around. So, yeah, so in the middle of nowhere. And, um, yeah, I think that also lends itself to the cinematography as well, which is just like, it looks beautiful, this movie. Mm. And there's even, there's even like a sequence when we kind of see William Holden's Commander Shears in this sort of resort area. And even that just looks <laughs> unbelievable. Like, it's just, it's such a good looking movie. Uh, like, for, from, but I think, like I said, a lot of that comes from the location setting that they'd obviously worked quite hard on. And from what I've heard from this director, not heard from him, but seen about personally. him online. This, personally, David Lean had, what age, let's, what age would he be? Let's work this in. This is, I love doing this sort of stuff on the pod because we all learn together. Uh, so he died in 1991. 
but he would have been he would have been a cr- <laughs> he would have been 125 today Keen. not today a but brisk. you know what I mean like, brisk 125 you know what I mean from Croy oh sorry 115 sorry oops oh, my, ba- my maths is very oh, good sprightly hundred sprightly like you said very sprightly uh, apparently he was very at home to a lot of these humid conditions and uh, okay, a lot of others were not so he was very unforgiving about being anyway sympathetic towards it but also him and Alec Guinness apparently fought a lot on this set uh, oh I really quote, I have a quote here somewhere from it yeah so it said I think this is Wikipedia I can't remember where I got this but it said uh, apparently Alec Guinness was very uncertain about the script because it was very anti-British mm. and I would agree and but apparently he had a lengthy row with the director about this because he wanted to play the characters quite like humorous and sympathetic but lean wanted this sort of kind of a bore of a character effectively just this really like uptight british general a, a colonel and uh what it says on another occasion they argued over a scene where nicholson reflects on his career in the army army and then lean filmed the scene from behind guinness and exploded in anger when guinness asked him why was he doing this and then after guinness was done with the scene lean said now you can all fuck off and go home you english actors thank god i'm starting work with the american actor tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) so was the script uh anti-british or was the director who's to say that's like because i heard those things like when i watched the movie again because i've only watched it twice once when i was a bit younger and then once like uh, about um, about six weeks ago, and like the difference in time gave me different perspectives. So I, I googled some stuff afterwards, and uh, like I've watched a lot of war movies, so I have biases, and I have that's why I love Clint Eastwood's two movies. Um, but like I have biases uh, for you know obviously perspectives. A lot of war movies, popular yeah. war movies, are from the American perspective or the British perspective, and I suppose that. If you go into this with a clear blank mind about war movies and okay, you know the obvious endings of the the, the World War Two or whatever. But if you go in with an open mind, it, you the story is very contained. Okay, so you you yeah. have a you have a, a commando or a, 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 an English troop that is being captured. Okay, and it's not so much about the English. Uh, military as more of the English uh, mindset that is being portrayed, and the English mindset is that they're they're very proud people, okay. Yeah. But so are the Japanese in a sense because there's one of these very in, like interesting encounter conversations between General Saitou and and Nicholson, uh, because General Saitou basically start kind of start the movie. He wants the officers in the English troop to also help construct the bridge but apart like as being a part of the geneva convention that was drawn up at the time it states that it's stated that commanding officers do not get the same treatment as the soldiers and when captured they get better treatment so they don't have to maybe carry out the work or they get better facilities or whatever it is so but general site is obviously (laughs) They weren't part of this convention, I don't think, at the time. So, like, he has no regard, but like, of this convention. But at the same time, there's an interesting dialogue between them later on, where he says that, okay, you're stubborn, but you have no pride, and you're. Oh, I have that written down somewhere. It's, it's great. It's great. It's 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 like the English mentality, even though it's so proud and it's so righteous. 
it actually also makes no sense. You are defeated but have no shame. You're stubborn but no pride. You're, you endure but have no courage. Exactly. You know, it's just being stubborn for the sake of being stubborn. Yeah. You know, whereas... And I, the ja- I relate so much to that. I'm just like, fair play, mate. Like, all these old <laughs> Japanese, uh, Chinese, Korean cultures are built on honour and yes. respect and knowing or submitting to your opponent when you know you were beaten also. Like, and giving respect to your opponent because you know you have been beaten. Uh, it's about respect. It's about acknowledgement. Um, and the English... <laughs> <laughs> the English don't agree you know it's it's just being not but, giving up till the bitter end and it's they're just two conflicting ideologies that are perfectly summed up in these two characters and I think what's what's great about it then is what happens is eventually General Saito or Colonel Saito because uh, uh, Alec Guinness gets put in an oven effectively <laughs> the oven sort of tin <laughs> the oven this little weird tin box to basically be tortured and um, until he like agrees to work and then eventually he gets taken out and he then oversees the bridge production and is very much like, no, we got to do this right because look, no one can say we can't do a bad job on this because it'll be a feat of British engineering. And he's like, all right, guys, cool. And what's interesting is the bridge has to be done by a certain date. And uh, General Saito, or Colonel Saito, I don't know if I keep calling him General, it comes out with this thing of like, oh, to celebrate the anniversary of this thing, you don't have to work. Then therefore we both get what we want. I don't have to concede to your demands, but also, you know, you don't have to work. So this is great. And then as Alec Guinness sort of begins to oversee the project and it has to be done by a certain date, he's like, fuck, this is not going to get done on time. So like, I tell you what, the officers are just going to work. We'll just get this done. We'll all work. Yeah. How about that? And like, even by the end of it, the officers do end up working, but it was on his, like, that's, it's just like, what is stubborn, but has, uh, what's the, what's, what was the phrase again? Defeated, but no shame, stubborn, but no pride. He was like, I don't care. The, the, the pride of us, like, not working that doesn't matter to me I just want to be stubborn about this and make sure it's all on my terms but that's like and that's I, that's why I say like or I think that the most like the focus is it, it could be any movie in particular it doesn't have to necessarily be a, a war movie as such it's more about a, the the theme is you know it can be generic it's a, like he he is proud and he wants to ensure that his people and the people like the people under him and him, there's a good reflection on the work that he does so that, you know, okay, he gets released from the oven early on. Like he initially refuses because he will not submit uh, to General Saitau in this prison camp because yeah. he orders everyone to build a bridge and as part of the Geneva, uh, Geneva Convention, uh, convention, as opposed to the Geneva con- Conduction. Conduction. Heat. Conduction. <laughs> It's very hot in the rainforest. Um, <laughs> Nicholson uh, refuses and gets punished and tortured along with all the officers because they refuse to work with the, you know, the foot soldiers. But when they're released later on through pure um, stubbornness, rounding uh, up the slaves and getting a good hard, jo- getting the hard job done. <laughs> they actually start to work of their own volition, and uh, yeah, you know. Nicholson takes charge of this. He's like, okay, look, if we have to get this job done, if this is our, uh, like, if this is our directive, then we're going to actually do it and we're going to do it well so that everyone knows when this job was done, they'll know it was done by British soldiers. So it's going to be done to the best of our abilities. And there'll be be a little sign to say that we did it well. (laughs) There'll be a little sign by God. (laughs) 
And and I think that's that's all super important when it obviously comes to the very end of this movie that we'll we'll loop back to in a sec. But I also think it's very really interesting when you converse that with or you contrast it with um the American soldier that we meet very on in the movie who is kind of already at this prison camp and they're kind of just taking it very easy. He's one he's the guy that escapes. And then it comes it comes to realization that he well, he wasn't actually a commander. He was just telling people he was a commander so he'd get nicer treatment. And it's this sort of thing of like, I'll do whatever is sort of the easiest route out. But then again, it sort of has that sort of he's told or he's told he has to go back in. And there's that sort of American yes we can attitude of like we'll fix this. So it, it kinda of like and I don't think anyone comes off great in this movie, and I think that's why I wouldn't define it as anti British, because I feel like it's very yeah. not very pleasant to the Americans, not very pleasant to the Japanese either. So like I think the the Americans the angle of having him then have to re enter this camp to blow up this bridge, not knowing that the English are sort of taking pride in building it, feeling like the the intel or the yeah. comms coming in to them is being like, Oh, they're you know, they're gonna build this bridge, we gotta blow it up and they're I can't completely believe they're to our men. Yeah, completely cut off. Yeah, and then to 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 have the American guy being like, "Oh, I'm gonna fix this. I'm gonna swoop in there with all my freedom and <laughs> and, and, and like, save these people." It's a good point because, like, like we discussed like, a few minutes ago, like, uh, you know, there's very little in this movie to actually give, you know, to give clarity or to give an idea of how bad conditions are. But when we're first you know, introduced to this American soldier, Shearer or Shears or Shears. Um, Shears? He's digging, digging graves. Um, yes. At, like a mass graveyard. Okay. Dude, so I watched this last night and I forgot that. And you've seen this how many weeks ago? You remember <laughs> weeks ago. Like. No, because it's an important point because it is the second time I moved it or watched it, sorry, but I, it moved me this, um, this, this initial scene because it's a very it can be a very lighthearted movie in certain in certain points but the initial sequence i think gives you a sense and i think that's an important part of the the direction or the the way the movie is set up like don't forget that this is also a it's a war movie so we meet this american character as a prisoner uh, american soldier as a prisoner who's digging graves in this mass graveyard and and he's there with his comrade who's also i don't know comrade but another prisoner who's watching this english troop come into the camp and there's a few things in that scene where like i i really enjoyed i one one particular part stood out to me because i watched this movie after doing a bit of a hike (laughs) and i just remember when they're stamping i think they're in the parade ground or the the central area of the camp and they're stamping uh as part of their march marching tune and you see that half of the soldiers or most of the soldiers their shoes are just completely worn away they're stamping in their feet they've been walking through this uh rainforest in their feet and there's no shoes there's no socks there's blisters or whatever and the hardships that they endure and then also you're seeing this american soldier watching on after digging a grave in a mass graveyard so it does set the tone and it also sets the tone for you know this american character or american soldier sorry uh you know maybe his you know he doesn't desire to go back you know once he actually manages to escape he doesn't want yeah. to go back you know because there's actually very little you know, there's not many bad scenes in this movie in terms of warfare or the, you know, uh, horrific nature of warfare uh, that we see. Except often at the end. Yeah, except at the end. Except at the end. Exactly. 
Um, which we'll get to. Which and we'll also get the whistle to. bit. Put it on the list. <laughs> well, the whistle bit was also in the beginning. I could talk about the whistle bit if you want. No, we'll wait because I feel you, like you have a bit to talk about the whistle bit. Of course I do. But it just ties into you talking about him all coming into the camp and marching. And that's when they whistle keep. But they... Wh- yes. <laughs> <laughs> but... No, this is like this American character is very interesting because he he meets obviously this English group once they've gotten they've gotten uh, settled and he meets with the commanding officers because true to nature the commanding officers of the English uh, troop they have different quarters and you know in the initial hours of their uh, capture they 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 meet and they convene and they they discuss their options essentially and they meet with these uh, two american soldiers who are already captive uh, shearer and i can't remember the name of the other guy is it gary will come oh, up now with the facts clipton maybe clipton maybe clipton, major clipton major, medical officer could be could it be andre morrell as colonel green or captain reeves or major hughes i don't know because i just remember the main three keen that's exactly everyone else blurred together blurred together this movie is uh, too long <laughs> sorry but essentially, there's a few people who vote to try and escape and a few people who say that it's not worth it because they have to also look out for the welfare of the soldiers. Yeah. And Shearer is one of the few that votes to try and escape. And essentially, he's the only one to survive. And he does manage and he gets picked up by a, a native community and manages to go from there to, I think, a military base, an English military base. Where he lives the good life for a while. And it's there that we understand that he is not actually Commander or Captain Shearer. He's just a regular foot soldier who's taken on the persona of his yeah. commander. And and I have a funny part about that sequence because he falls in love or... or not that falls in love, but he, he finds Smitten. himself in the company of, uh, of, a, of a beautiful woman who... To what the movie... To what it serves the movie is very little... And I think it was very quite like a... I thought to myself, I was like, oh yeah, there's just no women in this movie until you see this one woman. <laughs> one woman. <laughs> and then, on my usual search of the IMDb trivia, it says, in a 1988 interview with Barry Norman, David Lean confirmed that Columbia almost stopped filming after three weeks because there was no white woman in the film, forcing him to add what he called a very terrible scene between Holden and a nurse on the beach. Like... I get it, okay? They're, like, I do get it, but the concept of the movie is a military war prison, and it's in the middle of the jungle, and when your man... Where women are notoriously not found. <laughs> well, I'd imagine so, to be honest, but... <laughs> no, but I guess my point was, it was just like, it felt like a forced scene, and then I saw this, and I was like, makes sense. However, I think it does add sort of some of the... What's the word? It's, it's, I don't know the English for it. It's, uh, try the Japanese. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's, uh, no, but it kind of lends itself to this character of the William Holden being like, I have everything I need here. Why? I have the sun. I have this, like, you know, beaches. I have women. Like, why, why do I need to leave? And then all of a sudden he's kind of dragged back into the thick of it then. So he goes back in with the, you know, a commando unit to try and, you know, blow up the bridge. But what he doesn't realize at the same time is that Nicholson. Um, and his British troop have, after Nicholson and his commanding officers have been released from the, you know, the ovens, basically, they have set about building this bridge uh, with Ernest to meet the deadline and really make a good job of it. So 
they're under pressure. Not only Shearer, Shearer's character is under a lot of pressure to try and get there in time to blow it up before the first train crosses it, but also Nicholson's character and Saito's character is under a lot of pressure to try and build it before a certain deadline so that the first bridge can cross it. So it's slowly building up this pressure because these are... An emphasis on the word slow. It is slow, but there are interactions that are... Mm. they add to it because it's not a direction mm. that you think the movie will go when you see the first third of the movie, say. Yeah, when nothing happens. When <laughs> You're like, oh, there might be action in this movie, so is that what you're getting at here? Just... But it slowly builds, and I love oh, it. Oh, slowly. Like a... I did, yeah, sure. Um, no, and yeah, and I think that's why I kind of said earlier that like I think the, the climax of the movie does make it for me. However, I think now is the time, Keen. I think now is the time that I talk about the whistle bit because I've I've hyped up the whistle bit, and I realize we haven't talked about the whistle bit, and I feel like I need to talk about the whistle bit before we talk about the climax. So, Keen, everyone knows. So, if any, I feel like we should have put this in the beginning because I feel like if you don't know what this movie is, it's the movie that has the whistle theme of. I'll just put it in. I'll just put it in. I'm not going to bother with it. Oh, no. Copyright. That. It has that. I'm just not going <laughs> to. I think it was in the breakfast. No, not the breakfast club. Is it the breakfast club? Could be. It was in a very, it was in another like famous. Uh, yeah. It's a movie. weird, it's a weird whistle match. But basically it's a strain or the opening segment of what is called Colonel Bogey's March or Boggy's March. I don't really know. But the idea is that they would all walk in to the camp or they'd all march into the camp with whistling this. But the reason why they had done this is because they couldn't get the extras to march on time. So they wanted the extras to just march into the camp, but they couldn't all keep the beat. So I do have their name. I think it was either David. Oh, no, a guy called George. Uh. George Siagatz, an a whistle expert, began to whistle the Colonel Bogey March, and then that is what got them all into tune and walking in. So that's the reason why they have the whistle in this movie, is because the extras couldn't fucking keep their beast walking in. However, and this is the best part of the trivia for me, and I love it. I just love coming across this, and it's fantastic. Whereas when he heard, when the director heard that this was going to be incorporated in, this song, or this beat, or this tune was parodied a lot in World War II. And director David Mc- David Lean wanted this version to be sung when the guys walked in. However, I believe it was the producer told him it was far too vulgar, and then only the whistling version was to be used. <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, we don't, we don't beat around the bush here. Here, right, we don't censor nothing. So <laughs> the original, the 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 lyrics to the song that di- the director of this movie wanted as these guys walked into the camp were, uh, I don't know whether I should sing it or hum it, but it's like Hitler has only got one ball. Goring has two, but very small. Himmler is rather similar, but poor Goebbels has no balls at all. <laughs> That song is going to be ruined for everyone now, purely from my bad singing, but also from knowing that those lyrics exist. So da- so David Lean wanted them to be singing Hitler has only got one ball as they walked into the camp. I, I am actually so happy. Like, aside from watching this movie and enjoying it, I am so happy that you have found this fact after watching this movie, because you alone can find ammunition from a fact like this and spread it to the world in ways that I could <laughs> never do it. And I love it. <laughs> I'm telling you. And this would be sung at football chants. And it's not, it's not, look, look, 
I understand there are men out there with one testicle due to like, I don't know, like perceived, uh, medical issues or whatever like that. But what we're talking about here is we're talking about Hitler and some of the worst people in the world. So we can just, we, we, can, we can take the piss out of them as long as we want. Yeah, exactly so look this song's not doing any harm in my opinion oh fuck that yeah no I'll, like, send, you, I'll, send, I'll send you the lyrics if you want <laughs> do please it's only, four, it's only four lines but I think it's it's self-explanatory enough I tend, so yeah, yeah that was my favourite thing and I hope the whistling bit was worth it uh, but look we're much to the end of this movie it's the end of this podcast so we better wrap this up soon Keen. so like we had kind of said everything is building slowly did I mention it was slowly it's slowly building Everything slowly builds to this very slow build of a uh, climax, which is, we'd already mentioned William Holding is looking to blow up this bridge. Colonel Nicholson is trying to build it and make it past the test of a train going by it. And Colonel Sato is, like we said, trying to, trying to reach this deadline. So William Holden sort of has this group of people and they plant explosives and they're ready to go and blow it up. But, but they want to blow it up as the train's going by it, if I recall. Yes, I think so. Just yeah. to create more damage. Yeah. But, so they have to wait till the next morning, but then they realise that when they had planted all the explosives, the sort of, the tripwire, not the tripwire, but the, the fuse the detonation is wire now visible. Is, is underneath, it goes from the bridge underneath the river and then to a detonation point on a river bank. And as the next morning, they realise that the, the, the levels of the water have gone down, so some of the wire is actually exposed. So Nicholson actually uh, spots this. He's not an idiot. He's a he's a captain or a general or whatever the fuck he is. So he spots this and he goes down to investigation. Saito goes with him. And uh, there's a commando unit set up on the far bank. Obviously, they set up with, you know, the explosives, shear and a, like a, a commando unit. And one young lad has stayed with the detonation point to, you know, detonate the bomb when the bridge goes over the or the train goes over the bridge the bridge on the river quite quite that no sorry i was no sorry. <laughs> when the train goes over the bridge over the river quite <laughs> but he goes down to investigate this anyway and uh this is when everything starts to kick off and yeah this is where i really should have maybe watched cuz i can't remember the direct sequence of events and events i mean who gets killed first? Well, uh, uh, well, what happens is um, uh, Alec Guinness's Colonel Nicholson comes across this wire. He's tracing it all the way back and basically turns to the river at one point and this guy, you say this young lad, kills Colonel Sato. Yes. And then Colonel Nicholson turns around and is like, what the fuck's happened here? But like, it's this weird thing of like, it's a bit of like Stockholm Syndrome in a way in that Colonel Nicholson has realised that his captor effectively has now been killed and his freedom is guaranteed. But yet, there's this confliction of, but the bridge, it must be maintained, it must be protected. Right, and he ends up fighting. his heart and soul into it. Yeah, and he begins to fight with this sort of young lad. But the sort of the Japanese realise what's happening and they start to like open fire as Colonel, as William Holden's character um, whose real name it's it's Commander Shears is what he says, but his name is Brevet Major. I don't remember. Hey, Commander Shears. Shears. Commander Shears. Shears then uh, is trying to get across the river. Then sure. and eventually, what happens is it's basically Shears v Holden. Oh no, Holden gets shot, and it's it Holden is trying to like basically plea to Colonel Nicholson's sort of humanity and sort of right to being against these Japanese to to blow it up and. 
he then just realizes there's this moment and this is where to me Alec Guinness wins the Oscar it's just he has this moment where he's just like what the fuck have I done it, it, I think I, I don't know what he said I think it, there is something of like what have I done I think is what he said or what did I do and he and he makes no action he just gets shot or he just faints but he happens to fall very comedically much to probably Alec Guinness's wish on the detonator yeah. and blows up the um, bros, blows up the bridge and blows up his hard bros. work and determination and his what? his bros he, his bros, he blows his blows it. Blows it. <laughs> no, it's it's a like the ending is just it's because that that madness, action Keen, it's madness, madness. That action this sequence is madness or not? It, yeah, like that action sequence happens in about I don't know, is it ten minutes? It, okay, in a in Keen, a two no, hour. Keen, knowing this movie, it could 14. have been five hours. I don't. Everything took way yeah. longer than it needed. It, it's movie. very fast, and you just get the sense that like. You know, uh, Nicholson has just realized, man, what the fuck have I done? You know, yeah. I've been, f- He's I've been fighting for the wrong side for the last in, you know, for the last however long, just for the sake weeks. of inte- like integrity get and the, honor, getting the job done. Yeah, it's 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 what won the movie over for me. I was like, you know what, I really love that, and I guess that's why it kind of pays to have it at a longer runtime because you're tricking the audience into forgetting sort of how against this he was at the beginning because you're spending so much time like you say those interactions between him and Colonel Sato they share a bottle of horrendous whiskey together and we all know what that's like Uh, (laughs) I'm telling you Johnny Walker's no good that's a hot take from me and Keen you don't like Johnny Walker sure you don't no I don't like Johnny Walker not a fan at all unless it's blue but I haven't had yeah the blue label yeah I'd rather build a bridge Keen that's how much I'd I would yeah and maybe get over it I, I'll never get over it. And yes, yeah, so yeah, you see that relationship with the two of them getting together. And then that's sort of yes, and then to have that all kick back into, you know, they have that whole big ceremony to open the bridge up together to then him being like, what the fuck was I at? You know what I mean? It's, it's, it is, it's great. It's, it's fantastic. I, I really enjoyed that. Like me too. And like watching it, you know, uh, watching it again recently after so many years, it was like that final scene. Uh, I think it just pans out for a couple of seconds or half a minute of uh, the the detonation site where there's just this group of bodies, but they're the the bodies of the three or four main characters. Yeah. After seeing the explosion of the bridge and the buildup of this whole movie, and the whole plot of the movie, and overlaying this scene is just the comedic sort of whistling march you know the 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 tune yeah. the marching song and it's just you get the sense of like you know this has all been pointless and you know for me it kind of just strikes home is that like you know people generally feel the same they're fighting for the same thing it's just different perspectives you know it's a it's a matter yeah. of uh context yeah you know, obviously you have your exceptions, but like in general, people want the same thing. They're fighting for the same thing. You know, thing the same things matters to them: integrity and honor. And it's just what side you fall on. So yeah, no, it was really, it, it was really, what's the word? Powerful, powerful, powerful. Poignant. poignant. There you go. Poing- <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't remember that word if I was sober. <laughs> there you go. No, what are you talking about? We're complete, you're completely sober. What are you talking about? Scrat, this... Yeah. <laughs> Look, Kira Driscoll, thank you very much for coming on and talking about the bridge on the River Quay, or Quay. No Quay, problem. I think it's Quay. It's Quay. Quay thank gone. you so much. 
Qui Gon Jin. Qui Gon Jin. We made that joke before we started recording, and we were like, "We'll definitely incorporate that in." Somehow. We never did because Obi Wan's in this movie, and I didn't make as many Star Wars jokes as I expected. But there you go. No, but strange. Gary's under pressure to get to the movies later on, so we have to stop this podcast early. So, Keen, that's in four hours' time. I won't have you besmirch me on my own podcast. <laughs> Uh, no, Keith, thank you so much for coming on, back on the podcast. Time number six. My God, you're breaking it in now. Uh, if, but yes, I want, uh, yes, Keen, thank you so much for coming back on. I want to thank everyone who's listened to this or any of the other episodes or any of the Keen's episodes. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, I would stress you to follow us at, at Reeling of the Peers on Instagram. We also put the videos up on TikTok. You can also follow us on YouTube. Or what you can do is you can also follow us on Spotify or Apple. You can give us five stars on either of those. That'd be fantastic. Like I had mentioned earlier, I am on Letterboxd and that's important apparently so make sure to follow me there and uh, I want to make sure yeah I think I said that's it oh yes if you'd like to send any fan mail or if you have any other suggestions for what the next classic with Keen should be please email us at readingintheperiods at gmail.com or like I said message us on Instagram but finally Keen, I just want to go throw it back to you and say thank you so much for coming back on I hope you enjoyed it thanking you Gary as always it's a pleasure um, I'm not on any socials um, so if you want to get in contact with me carrier pigeon or smoke signals are the oh. best way to go you strike me as someone who has, who knows Morse code do you know Morse code? Morse not Morris Morse no no Morris you know Morris? I do know Morris yes he, yes, yeah yes. him he, makes yeah, he has a weird code exactly him yes. do you know his code? I do uh, he yeah, does yeah, two yeah. whistles he goes <laughs> Has only got one ball going.